little by little, we're starting to see uh, more people coming back on Sunday morning, and that is good news every time that we could gather as a spiritual family. If this is your first time here, I want to welcome you. My name is Pastor Chris Garcia, and I have the honor and privilege of being the pastor here at Numa Church. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're physically here for the first time, we want to make sure that you feel welcome. Uh, and there's a couple of things I would love to ask of you, all right? Uh, one is if you could fill out our Connect card, you will find it in the seat front uh, right in front of you. If you're connected online, you could go to our webpage, numachurchmiami.org, and you could fill it out there virtually. And if you're here and you want to fill it out virtually, you could do it as well. It's not a complication whatsoever. And the last thing is that at the end of the service, we have a welcome lounge prepared by those double doors. If you go outside to your left hand, I'm going to be there at the end. I would love to meet you uh, if you're here, all right, and, uh, and pray for you, all right? So everybody, welcome, all right? I hope you guys feel at home today, and uh, I'm just excited to be up here and uh, sharing today. And before we get into God's Word, uh, just a quick reminder today, there's two things that are kicking off again, which I'm excited about. Number one, we have our G2G Kids uh, going on right now in the building next door, so that's great news. My little ones were excited to come to church today and get back into their time with God and their friends and stuff like that. So if you have kids that are elementary age, all right, on Sundays, they're going to be having their service uh, next door. So make sure you take note of that. And another thing that is taking place uh, again today is growth track. All right. We are kicking off our growth track again today with step one. So if you came actually to take growth track in Spanish, it's going on right now in the building next door. So you could just walk, you know, quietly out and go next door. It's going to be in room number five. All right. And if you want to take growth track in English, it'll be during our second service, during our second service. Growth track in English will be taking place today is step one, all right? Knowing Numa Church, getting to know this church where God has placed you. And amen? All right, so that's just a couple of uh, housekeeping things that I need to make sure that all you guys uh, know about, all right? And uh, as far as today's message, I am excited because today we are launching a new series that is going to take us through the month of October, all right? And this is a series that actually I've been praying about for some time now, all right? I've been asking God for wisdom on, you know, how to make sure that I present this uh, to you guys and to you guys that are uh, watching online, because I really believe that every time we come up here, there's a great responsibility with sharing God's Word. And it's not just coming up here and, man, I got this latest revelation, so I want to make sure that I share it with everybody and, you know, get a couple of claps during the service. No, no, it's not about that. You know, it's about teaching the Word of God according to the counsel of God, you know, and what is established in His Word. And today we're starting a series which I've called Our Democracy and God's Kingdom. Our democracy and God's kingdom. And we're going to be diving deep, all right, into this topic during the next few Sundays, all right? So I want to make sure that you make it uh, an item to come to church at least during this month of October or connect because, man, we're going to be talking about everything that is going on in our nation right now and society and how is it that God views it and what God expects from us as kingdom citizens, how he, how he expects for us to act and behave in the midst of everything that is going on. And now, 
I know that this is, you know, uh, a hot issue right now, you know, and I know that some people might be even thinking, oh man, I can't believe pastors are going to dive into this whole thing of politics and, you know, you're supposed to keep politics and church, you know, and, and, and not get it mixed or, or none of that stuff. But in reality, uh, I want to let you know what the Bible says, all right? And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, this is just a, a quick intro that I'm giving to, to this series. Paul tells his spiritual son Timothy, he says, If I am delayed, that you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. So what is the church? The church is what? According to this verse, the pillar. Can you say it with me with the word pillar? The pillar. And what? And foundation of the truth. All right? So in the midst of all the confusion that we have in our world today and everything that is going on in our country, you should be able to walk in here on Sunday mornings or you should be able uh, to connect and get truth. Not truth according to what I think, but truth according to the Word of God. And truth according to what He has established. So before we go any further, we're going to pray. And uh, as we pray this morning, one of the things that I want to include in the prayer is praying for our president. And I'm not saying if you like him or like his politics or not, but the Bible commands that we should pray for those that are in authority. And right now, our president is in the hospital with the coronavirus. I don't know how many people have gone through the coronavirus here. I went through it, all right? And I'm not going to say, okay, give me a show of hands, you know, and shout if you had the coronavirus. We're not going to do that this morning, all right? But we are going to pray, all right? And we're going to pray for our president. So if you could bow your head real quick. Father, we just thank you because we are, Father, your church. And today we gather as your church in this place. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. And today we come in this place and we crown you king. We declare that you are king over our lives and over the nations as we're going to see in a moment. So Father, I pray today, Lord, for a spirit of understanding amongst your congregation, Lord, amongst those that are connected or maybe watching the recording of this later on, Lord God. Give us understanding, Holy Spirit. That we might be able to interpret everything that is going on around us and understand what is your point of view, my Lord. Today, Father, we lift up our president. We ask for his health, Lord God. We pray that you would keep him safe, Lord God. We speak, Father God, against that virus that is in his body right now. And we come and declare healing in the name of Jesus, Father God, over our president, Lord, over our first lady, and all the people, Lord God, that are involved in government today that need a healing touch from you, Lord. So we honor you and we bless you in Jesus' mighty name. And his people say, amen and amen. Can we put our hands together for Jesus this morning? Man, I am excited to be alive, to be here, to be able to share uh, this message, just to give, I guess, a little foundation, all right? We live in a country, all right, which is a beautiful country, by the way, the United States of America. I've gone to many different nations and traveled, man, and there's something about when you get back home, you know, when you get back to this nation. Our nation has adopted democracy, okay, as its way of governing, all right? Democracy is the way that we govern our nation. Now, if you're a student here today, I'm like, man, we're going into civics class. I can't believe it. No, don't worry. I'm going to go through this quick, all right? You know, all right? 
Of all the different types of government, all right, I believe personally that democracy is the best form of government that humans have invented. I, told, I totally believe that. All right, that democracy is the best form of government that we have invented. Democracy, okay, means, and I want you guys, if you're taking notes, to write this down. Today, I'm going to encourage you guys to take notes of what we're going to be sharing here, all right? Democracy, all right, is the rule of the people, okay? That's what it stands for, the rule of the people. The word demos is a Greek word that means people, and kratos means rule or power. So the rule or power of who? Of the people, all right? Who are the ones that govern this nation? Well, it should be us. It should be the people. That's the way that it goes in a democracy. Now, there's various components that go into a democracy, okay? There's various components that go into a democracy, key components. And one of those, all right, listen to this, is a political system for choosing and replacing the government through free and fair elections. So I'm going to repeat that. A political system for choosing and replacing the government through free and fair elections. What's that called? Voting. Can you say that with me? Voting. That is called voting. You choose what type of government you want to have. What type of government you want to see. Alright? Now... The issue of government and the issue of voting has become such a toxic conversation in these days. I mean, I mean, you, you can't go, all right, just a few words into the conversation before starting to argue, to get upset at somebody because of their point of views and what they think. And, and it's all over the place, all right? It's not only in conversation, it's in social media. Whether you use Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever it is, it's all over the place right now. And just people angry and mad at each other. Now... This is because, and I really have come to this conclusion, this is because there is a mindset that has led us to this. There's a mindset that has led us to this. And where has that mindset started? I truly believe that has started in the church. I believe that has been a mindset of divisiveness in the church that has facilitated the disunity in our society. You're like, Pastor, what do you mean that what's going on in our nation and in our world has started in the church? Hasn't it always started with God's people? Hasn't God said, if my people who are called by my name, we talked about that a few weeks ago, will humble themselves? So God is looking for a people to put straight everything else that is going on in our society right now. That's why the Bible says that judgment starts by the house of God. Where does it start by? It starts with us. We're the ones that set the standard of what goes out out there. If you're the type of person that says, Pastor, I can't wait to get into church because I'm so tired of what's going on out there. Let me tell you something. Church is not supposed to get in here. We're supposed to get out there. This is not like a little protection from everything that's happening. No, you're actually coming, okay, together to receive, all right, instruction on behalf of God to go out there and be the light in the midst of the darkness. Amen, somebody? You guys are understanding what I'm telling you? All right, so there's been what, guys? A mindset. Now, the question is, what's that mindset that has led to this divisiveness? Well, this 
brings me back to the series that we just finished because I believe it's not having a correct kingdom perspective of who God is and how God functions in regard to government. I really believe that we've missed that. And we think that coming to church and Christianity is just about a religion. And it's much more than that. It's not a religion. It's about a kingdom. It's about a kingdom, all right? Which leads me to, to a very important question, which is actually the title of my message today, all right? So if you're like, Pastor, all right, the series is called, you know, Our Democracy and the Kingdom of God. What's the name of today's message? Today's message is How to Vote for God in this important election. Woo, I can't believe I'm even saying this this morning. How to vote for God in this important election coming up on November 3rd. And the question that I'm trying to answer, all right, is the following. If I want to vote in a way that glorifies God, if I want to vote, okay, with God, and I want to know what side is God on, how is it that I should vote? And I know that some of you guys might be watching, some of you guys might be thinking, you know, you're there and you're listening to this and you're like, who's he going to go for? Who's pastor voting for? You know, what, what, it, what is he going to say? Who's he going to endorse here this morning? You know, what party is he leaning towards? And I'm going to be honest with you, I've had politicians calling in these last few weeks that they want to come and present themselves and I have not received anybody. And the reason that I have not received anybody is because I really believe that if I do receive somebody in the midst of all this confusion, it might steer people away from what reality we need to teach and know in the midst of all this. That's why this series that we're starting today is so important because I want to give you guys a biblical case. Listen to what I'm going to say. I want to set a biblical case within the authority of Scripture. That's the only way that we're not going to start fighting and arguing, even in here, all right? If I set a biblical case, if I put a biblical foundation from the authority of Scripture and not from our own perspective, because if we're going to talk about our own perspective, man, we're going to be all over the place. If we're going to talk about our own opinion, oh, I think this and I think that, you know, and I came from this type of government and this and that, man, we are just going to be in chaos in here. So we need to go where? We need to go to the Bible. I really believe that there's a kingdom world view of how to approach this subject about government and voting. I really believe there is. And that's why I think that we need a series to talk about it. If you and I adopt a kingdom world view, we can approach this issue, listen to this, and come out as the church of Jesus Christ, not in conflict, even if we don't vote the same way. My goal with this series is not to get everybody in here to vote the same way. My goal is that you would have a kingdom understanding and a kingdom world view so that we know what God is expecting from each and every one of us in this season and in this moment. And I got to honor somebody because the Bible says to give honor to who honors do. Dr. Tony Evans is giving an amazing message series right now of how Christians should vote. And when I heard that, it just confirmed in my heart that I needed to come and, and speak to this, these things to you guys. 
And some of the things that I'm going to be sharing is some material that I've gotten from him. Because, you know, as the man, we're doing his kingdom book. You know, we're kingdom man. We're doing that on Friday night. And I've been so blessed by it that I said, you know what? I got to dive into this and really hear what he has to say. And one of the phrases that he shares in these messages about how Christians should vote is that not until the church gets it right, will culture get it right. I'm just going to let that sink in a little bit. Not until the church gets it right will culture get it right. That's a powerful statement. At the whole heart of our democracy, okay, and God's kingdom is this word kingdom. And I need to, I know that there's some people that have been, you know, coming along in the midst of this whole series that we did, some people that are new. Here at Numa Church, we promote and hold firm, okay, to a kingdom school of thought. Even in our vision, Numa Church exists to show the love of God, affirm the identity, and at the end of it, to expand the kingdom of God. That's why we exist as a church, to expand the kingdom of God. Can we say that together? Expand the kingdom of God. That's why we exist as a church. We're here to be representatives as of God's kingdom. Now, you might be there and like, Pastor, that whole kingdom thing is like a little bit vague. Can you explain that or, or what does that mean? Well, I'm going to give you a definition for kingdom. And I, and I said this about three times during the series and three different teachings, but I'm going to repeat it again. A kingdom is the sovereign reign and governmental influence. The sovereign reign and governmental influence of a king over his territory. What's that territory? His fear of influence. All right? Impacting it with his will, intention, and purpose. All right? Impacting it with his will, intention, and purpose. Producing a community of citizens. Where are the kingdom citizens this morning? You guys that are there, all right, myself, producing a community of citizens that express a culture, not this world's culture, a kingdom culture, that express a culture and reflect the nature and lifestyle of the king. So our culture should reflect who? Should reflect him. The way that we act, our nature, what comes out of our mouths should be a reflection of who God is. That's what kingdom is all about. This was God's original idea. His, his original desire was to bring heaven to earth, that the kingdom of God would manifest here through us. We are God's representatives. We are His ambassadors. We are His agents. So to apply this concept of the kingdom, pay attention to this, very important. To apply this concept of the kingdom to our democracy and to the upcoming election, I want to share with you an illustration that Dr. Evans uses in his book that we've been doing with the men in the discipleship that I believe brings a lot of clarity for us to understand how this whole thing works. But before we get to that, how many of you guys have been watching the finals, the NBA finals? Oh man, we need prayer this morning. We need a miracle. Bro, Jimmy, the guy behind the camera, all right, you guys are at home, all right, the guy that is being used by God to transmit this to you right now is a Laker fan, all right? And we need to pray for that man that is back there right now, all right? The Lakers are leading the Miami Heat two games to none right now. 
We have two of our best players down, which was already going to be a difficult series as it was, even if we would have had those two guys playing. But things have just gotten a lot worse real quick. And today, all right, tonight, the game is at 7.30. All right, tune in and be praying, all right? If you want to fast the rest of the day for tonight, I will encourage you to do that, you know? We need it, all right? Now, when we look at, at the games, all right, and we look at what's going on, I don't know if you've noticed that there are three teams that are on the court. You're like, no, no, wait up, Pastor. There's only two teams. It's the Heat and the Lakers. What, what do you mean that there's three teams? You know, what's going on? Well, let me tell you something. There's three teams. Two of those teams are in conflict one with the other. Two of those teams are duking it out. They're trying to see who's the better team. They're going at it. You know, they're fighting, all right, one with the other. Now, however, there's another team that is in there that is in the conflict, but it's not of the conflict. Who's that other team? Is the team of officials. The referees. How many of you guys get upset at the referees watching the game? Raise your hand and be honest because you are in the house of God. Amen? Man, sometimes I fight with my TV that my wife looks at me and goes, what's wrong with you? Those guys are not listening. I'm like, well, maybe I got to speak louder so that they could listen to me, you know? <laughs> when you go to the arena and the referees do a bad call, people start screaming, refuse, you know, like, I'm not even going to get into that here. But anyways, there's a third team that is in, okay, that court that is 94 by 50. It's a team of what? Of referees. They represent the league office. They don't represent either team. They represent the league office, which is located in New York City. And they are there. Their job is to bring order to the chaos that is going on in that game. If there would not be any referees, and it would be like when you're playing in the park, that you need to call your own fouls, oh man, it would be crazy. So those referees are there, all right? And listen to this. Their opinion is adjusted, and their personal desires reorientated because they represent a higher authority. They don't represent themselves. They're distinguished by the jerseys that they wear. The referees are not wearing a Heat jersey or they're not wearing a Laker jersey. They're wearing a completely different jersey with a number on their back that represents what? The league and the intentions of the league. Now, the referees are also given a book, which is a rule book. And they're supposed to call the game according to what? According to the book. They know that book. Back and forth, they know the calls. They know what they need to be calling in the middle of the game. And everything that is going on in that game must be subject to what's in that book. If it's not subject to what's in that book, a player could get kicked out of the game. And I've seen it plenty of times. Dennis Rodman doesn't play anymore. I remember he would get kicked out plenty of times, all right? Because he would not submit himself to what the rule book said that needed to be happening. Every decision that happens in a game, a referee is calling it according to the book, according to what he's seeing that goes according. Sometimes the referees are booed. Sometimes the referees are cheered. But the referees are not in that for a personality contest. 
They're not in there so that they can receive the most applause. No. Listen to this. They are there to bring order because there is a conflict going on. And the realities of two different teams are clashing moment by moment the whole time. For 48 minutes, these two realities are going at it. Now, if somebody here this morning would come to me and say, Pastor, I'm going through an issue in my life. Can I sit down with you and have an appointment? I'll say, sure, let's sit down and let's talk. And as we are there talking, what I'll try to do is that I'll get the book called the Bible and take what that book says and apply it to that situation that that person is telling me. If a couple comes to me and tell me, Pastor, we are going through marriage issues. What's your opinion? I'll say, I can't give you my opinion, but let's sit down and let's talk. And I'll bring out the book. And I'll tell them, this is what the book says according to this scripture and this scripture of how your marriage should look like. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to empower you and help you in the middle of this situation. If a pastor comes to me from a different church and tells me, hey, I'm having conflict in my church and I don't know how to deal with this situation, what do you think? I'll say, let's go to the book and let's say, let's see what the book says of how to deal with conflicts that are going on within the church. Because my opinion might be valid, but let's go to the book because that book was written by God and he has the instruction of how this should flow. We all have been given a book, the Bible, the Word of God. So what do you do when it's not an individual, it's not a marriage, it's not a church issue, but it's a national issue that we're going through? What do you do when our whole nation is unraveling and in chaos in front of us? What do you do when the two teams are not the Heat and the Lakers, but it's the Republicans and the Democrats? What do you do when those are the teams that are going out? What do you do when the issues are not marriage issues, but are issues of law and order and issues of community and justice? What do you do in that moment? What do you do when the issue is so conflicting that you don't see a clear goal in sight and everything is so murky and everything is so shaded that you're like, I don't even know what it is. What do you do? And, and I got to tell you this morning that many times us as Christians, and I got to admit that we have all fallen into this, we trade the Bible for a political book. We trade the Word of God for a political book and we foster a perspective and wonder why we can't bring harmony to the issues that are going on. And we wonder why are we so divided and why all these conflicts going on in our nation. And I want to tell you something because I really want to dive into this. God doesn't change the book. God doesn't change the book in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the conflict. God does not say, let's see if we find another course of action. Let's see if we can find another solution to, to, to this problem that the United States is going to. Let's rethink this situation. God does not say that. The same way that the officials must rule the game by the book and according to the league office to bring harmony to the conflict in the game, we, the church, 
I'm going to say that again. We, the church, must use the book to bring harmony to the church and model it to the nation. You guys listening to what I'm telling you this morning? I don't want you guys to get quiet on me here today. But the reality is that we need to stop changing books or stop using part of the book that's very important. According to what we think the issue is. Because I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times we pick and choose. Well, this verse over here and this verse over here. And this is what God stands for over here. No, we need to take the whole counsel of God. We can't just be picking and choosing, guys. What would happen if in one of those games, the Heat are losing 2-0? What would happen if the referees in the middle of the game would take off their jerseys and put on a Heat jerseys? And instead of being five against five, now it will be eight against five because the referees just joined the Miami Heat. I think that's what we might need to win tonight. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> what would the Laker people think if the referees all of a sudden are playing or choosing one of the teams? When you say, these guys are traitors, man. Get them out of here. It would be crazy what would go on. Well, a lot of times we've taken off our kingdom jersey. And we put on a jersey from one of the teams. And this is what I am, and this is what I am. And as a result, you know what we have? A failed church. And we have failed to model to the culture what the kingdom of God is all about. And let me tell you guys that once you leave that, you've left the Bible. And once you've left the Bible, you've left the God of the Bible. I hope I'm not being too aggressive with you guys tonight, today, but this is something that needs to be shared. It needs to be spoken in a correct way because the moment, guys, listen to this, that we fail in our partnering with God. God called us to represent Him and His issues here on earth. And the moment that you and I fail in our partnering with God, okay, we don't change who He is but we alter how He works. Pay attention to that. We cannot change who God is, but we alter the way that He works. Because what He wants to accomplish will not get accomplished in the way He wants it to get accomplished. He doesn't change. He still remains the same. But the outcomes start to what? They start to change. And I really believe that God has lost some of His kingdom partners in these times. I really believe that God has lost kingdom partners because they have become democratic partners. They have become republican partners. If we're to see God intervene in the affairs of this society that is collapsing, this nation that is falling apart, then we're going to have to return to Him, not only in concept, because we all say, oh yeah, I'm for God. Oh yeah, praise God. Oh, praise Jesus. Oh, both sides say that. Praise Jesus, praise God, but we must embrace His person and His kingdom ideas. If that happens, His presence, guys, His presence will become evident and His order will be manifested to this nation once again. The Bible's clear. We could go to these verses, Psalm 22, 28. Write that down. Psalm 22, 28. Psalm 22:28. 28, it says, For kingship belongs to the Lord, 
and he rules over the nations. What a beautiful verse. Psalm 33, verse 12 said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Psalm 103, 19, it says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Amen to that. What all these verses are saying is that God is king, number one. God is king. He's ruling a kingdom, and it involves the nations of the earth. So it includes this nation of the United States of America. All the nations are involved. That's why it influences your vote and it influences my vote. In this democracy, we vote for a president and vice president. We vote for our senators and house representatives. We vote for our mayor. We vote for our governor. And I know we all want our person to win. You know, We all want our candidate to win. We want the person that we're going for to win. But let me tell you something, guys. God is the one that is running this show. Don't you ever forget that. In Daniel chapter 2, come with me real quick. Daniel 2, 21 and 22. It says, He controls the course of world events. Who controls the course of world events? He does. God controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholar. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. He's running the show, guys. Don't you forget that. So if you and I are kingdom citizens then you get to vote only for one thing. And what's that one thing? His glory and the expansion of His kingdom here on earth. That's the only vote that's on the table for you and me. What's going to bring glory to God? And what's going to allow His kingdom to be expanded here on the earth? And let me tell you that if you're not voting for that, then you're not voting for God. Clear and simple. If you're not voting for His agenda, you're not voting for Him. And if you're not putting Him in His proper place over the nations, then our vote is not a correct one. Now, if you're a committed Christian, how many committed Christians do we have here today? People that, man, you want to honor God in what you're going to do. And I really believe that that's the reality behind this. If you're here and you're saying, man, pastor, how do I honor God? If you want to honor God and say, I want to vote for God in this important election coming up. How's God voting? How's God voting? Because you and I want to vote with a God. How is He voting? Well, there's a story that I want to share with you in these next few minutes. And it's found in Joshua chapter 5. And I'm just going to dive into this real quick. I'm going to sort of like summarize it to save some time. But in Joshua chapter 5, you'll find this story called the Battle of Jericho. And the people of Israel have traveled through the desert. And they're standing in front of the first city that they need to conquer. And that city is called Jericho. Now there's a situation. This is a mighty city. Surrounded by fortified walls. That protect all the citizens of that city. Now 
God has promised them victory. God has promised His people victory, but on His terms. Joshua needs to partner or associate with God if not those walls are not going to come down. He needs to understand that God is going to give them the right instruction. Joshua needs to vote according to God in this. He can't be picking his own idea. He can't be picking his own candidate. He needs to vote as God votes. And if you come to me, with me to verse 13, verse 13, Joshua chapter 5. I think I'll call you guys when I'm ready. Martha, I'll let you know. Give me, give me just a few minutes. It says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So Joshua is serving the land. He's seeing what he needs to do. He's making his plan. And when he looks up, he sees this guy that is standing in front of him and he has a sword drawn ready to fight. I imagine when Joshua saw this guy, first he must have been, what in the world is going on? You know, he, 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 because this guy's ready to fight him. And Joshua asked the most important question. You know what that question is, right? Are you for us or are you against us, man? Am I going to have to fight you or you are on our behalf? That's an important question that Joshua is asking. Isn't this a question of voting? Are you Democrat or are you Republican? Who are you voting for in these next elections? Same question. Are you for us or are you against us? You see, as Joshua is standing there, are you for us or are you for our enemy or our adversary? You see, us, when Joshua says, are you for us, that us is the nation of Israel. Those are God's people. You, you could say that, that, that that's like the conservative side. Let's, let's put it like that. That's the conservative side. But you see why? Because they're God's people. They're Israel. They have the law of Moses. They have the Ten Commandments. They have the Ark of the Covenant. They have God's promises. Uh, we, God, we are your people. We're the conservatives. We, we have all these things that, that you're fighting for. And, and the adversary, who, who, who's the adversary? Well, that's Jericho. That's our enemies. Those are the liberals, right? Those are the liberals. Uh, they don't hold to the same things that, that you and I hold to spiritually, morally. They, they don't even know God. They're against you. God, don't you know that they're against you? Those are the liberals. They want to leave you outside of the Pledge of Allegiance. They, they don't know you, God. They don't, they don't know you. Lord, whose side are you on? See, Joshua's position, okay, this is Joshua right here. Man, if this guy's for us, we have it made. Because this guy's ready to fight. And we have our army ready, and if this guy has with a sword, he might have his army here. Man, we're going to take these people out real quick. Now, if this guy's against us, Man, 
Jericho has them walls, they're fortified, and this dude might have an army ready to come against us. It might be two against one. We are in a real mess right now. The liberals are going to win, and, and we are in a mess. Whose side are you on? Because I need a strategy, Joshua says. I need to be ready for this whole situation. I need to vote correctly. Verse 14. Martha, you guys can start coming up. Verse 14, and he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. I need to explain this because maybe you don't understand. You're watching at home and, and you don't understand. The commander of the army of the Lord. You know what this is, guys? This is an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. It's called the angel of the Lord or the commander of the Lord's armies. Jesus somehow, okay, Christ took a body in the Old Testament before he was born out of the Virgin Mary. And he would appear in certain moments and in certain situations. Another situation that he appeared was in the fire when Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was there. And there was another one that was in there that looked like the Son of Man. That's the same thing that is going on here right now. So God shows up in bodily form, ready to fight. But we don't know who he's fighting for. And Joshua says, who are you choosing? What side are you on? And what he gets is a no. No. Are you for the conservatives? No. Are you for the liberals? No. Whose side are you on, God? No. <laughs> don't you know what's at stake no he says I have come as a commander of the Lord's army you know what's the translation in our language today I'm on neither side I'm on neither side I am neither side are you conservative no are you liberal no I am operating listen to this on a whole other program because I don't come to represent you I don't come to represent you I come to represent my kingdom you see you are Israel, and you represent God's people. And you assume that I'm on your side because you are my chosen people. No. Well, I'm not on Jericho's side either because they don't even know me. I'm not on either side. So if you're here this morning, you're like, Pastor, what are you telling me? <laughs> not to vote then? Not, not, not to go out? No. I'm going to tell you what God's position is. Write this down. What is God's position? Political position. God is a kingdom independent. God is a kingdom independent. You could vote Democrat, or you could vote Republican, or you could write in your vote. Maybe you could vote for Kanye West. I don't know if you know he's running too. <laughs> but if you want to be on God's side, 
You know what you need to be, guys? A kingdom independent. You need to be a kingdom independent. What does that mean? Well, you pick a side. But I'm Democrat light or Republican light. You know the Coke? Coke Zero. Diet Coke. Coke Light. You know what? I'm not fully committed to this guy, and I'm not fully committed to this guy. I am fully committed to him. I am fully committed to his agenda. I am fully committed to his purposes, but I'm not obligated to either one of you guys because I belong to another order. I belong to another order. I belong to another kingdom. I have another king, and it's not the Caesars of this world. This guy tells Joshua, I didn't come to pick a side. I'm not picking a side. I came to take over. <laughs> I'm not picking a side. I came to take over. I rule the nations. I call the shots. I'm the one that is in control. I'm the one that has the last word. I'm the one that determines how things turn out. That's who I am. I am the captain of the Lord's army. I want to tell you something. The God of the Bible does not ride on the back of donkeys or elephants. The God of the Bible is his own kingdom independent, and he's going to run his own agenda. God only votes for himself. God votes for himself. The problem that we have is that no political party votes God's ways. That's the reality of it. You see, they pick and choose. Some pick righteousness. Others pick justice. Some pick life in the womb. Others pick from life to the tomb. But they all pick their sides. They all pick as if God was divided. And I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is not divided. God is not divided. So I'm not suggesting, I'm not suggesting here today that you won't be a Republican. I'm not suggesting here that you won't be a Democrat. As long as you're light and not fully committed to one or the other. That you would understand that God has your full commitment. God has your full commitment because He has the final say. Because He rules overall. I'm going to tell you something that is tough. Just because you and I are the church doesn't mean that He's with us if we're not with Him. And I can show you verses in the Bible where it will just mess you up. Because we think, oh, we're the church, we're right. But we need to make sure we are on his side. We need to make sure he's on, we're on his side because he's not going to change his position. So if we have lost our north, we need to adjust. Final thought. Final thought this morning. What is God? A kingdom independent. Can you say that with me? A kingdom independent. What does God want me to be? A kingdom independent. My final thought. What happened when Joshua heard no? What happened when Joshua heard no? Following verse 
And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. What did Joshua do? What did Joshua do? You know what he did? I'm going to tell you what he did. In our terms today, he took a knee. Joshua took a knee. Today, that's one of the topics of conversation. If we kneel, if we don't kneel, all these things that are going on. And right now is an important issue because it shows who your allegiance is to. You know what Joshua, when he heard the no from the Lord, you know what he did? He took a knee. He bowed down before God. How do you know that that was God? He said, take off your sandals, Joshua, because you are standing on holy ground right now, my brother. <laughs> we have Christians who will take a knee for a social cause, but won't take a knee for the kingdom of God. We have Christians that are out there fighting and all these things, but let me tell you something, it's time for God's people. White, Black, Hispanic, Asian, whoever it is, to take a knee for the King and for the Kingdom of God and say, this is what I stand for and I will not be shaken. When Joshua found out that God wasn't on his side because he was Israel and that he wasn't on their side because there was Jericho, you know what he did? He goes, I'm just going to take a knee. I'm just going to take a knee before you. And today, I have a question for you this morning. Are you willing to take a knee before the King today? Regardless of your political side, are you willing to set all that aside and say, I'm going to be like Joshua. I am going to take a knee. I'm going to bow down before the only one that needs to have my complete allegiance. It's not a political party. It's the God of the Kingdom of Heaven. Has who has my complete allegiance. So today I'm going to ask you guys to do something. I'm going to ask you guys, including myself, that today we could find a spot right there where you're at, you guys that are at home, and that we would take a knee in this place before God, that we would kneel down in the presence of God. Now, if you have problems with your knees or your legs, that's totally fine. But if you're okay, I'm going to ask you if you could get on your knees real quick before God. This shows the position of our heart to Him. This shows who has our allegiance. This shows before whom we bow. It is our God. Our God who reigns.
today we come and we bow down before you as the king of the kingdom that we represent Lord and as your people Lord your kingdom citizens your sons and daughters your ambassadors we come and we kneel down before you Lord and we declare that you reign you reign in our hearts. You reign in our lives. You reign. Our obligation, Lord, is completely and only to you, Lord. And God, right now, I ask, my God, that you would check our motives, Lord God. If we've been fighting our own cause, Father, in this situation, if we've been fighting, Father, for our own men in this situation, even for our own ideals, and somehow they have, they have stirred away from you, Lord God, today I pray, my Lord, that you would bring clarity, you would bring understanding, and you would bring us back to a kingdom mindset, Lord, that we would understand, Lord, that you are not divided. We are not to be divided. We are to represent your agenda, Lord God, here on earth. So we ask you for forgiveness. If we fought for our own ideals, Lord, allow us to stand firm for what is important to you, Lord God. We honor you. We bless you. And right there where you're at, I just want to make a quick invitation. If you have never ask Jesus to be your King, your Lord, and your Savior. Today, I want to ask you to check your heart and see and see where you stand before God today. Today, there's forgiveness of sins. You could start a new life being part of a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. And if you would like to make that decision today, I'm going to do a prayer and I'm going to encourage you to make that prayer with me, whether you're here or whether you're at home. Repeat this with me, Lord Jesus. Today I understand 
that you are the king of heaven and earth and that you love me so much that you left your throne in heaven and came here to earth and died on a cross to pay for my sins. But today I also understand that you resurrected on the third day and that you live forever. And if I invite you to be my Lord and Savior, I receive eternal life. And I make that decision today. Today, I invite you into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me live the life that you have for me from this moment forward. In Jesus' name. And his church says, Amen and Amen.